Welcome to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at cbcbuna.com. In the midst of all of the crazy, in the midst of all of the doing, in the midst of all the activity, if we're not careful, we will forget what this is really all about. And here's what I love about the Christmas story. It's not like, you know, we're, we sing like, silent night, like it was just a beautiful, calm, peaceful night and Jesus came. Y'all, Jesus came into the middle of a really messed up, wild situation. Like, do you realize, like, listen, I, I, I'm going to get, we've had four children. All four of them was wild and crazy when they were born. I was, I was there, right? Like, it was crazy. Like, it wasn't like, sleeping heavenly peace. No, man, there wasn't a whole lot of peace. It was crazy. It was wild. Let alone, like, Jesus was born in the, you know, she she had been on a donkey for a long time, right? Like, things were not good. Like, we have this, like, sanitized, cleaned-up version of what the Christmas story is. But here's what I want you to recognize without expounding anymore before I get in trouble, because I'm clearly not reading my notes right now. Here's what I want to tell you. Jesus came into the middle of a big, crazy mess. Not only just for them in the middle of the Christmas story, but the world in general was an absolute mess when Christ arrived. So can I tell you something that ought to encourage you today? Jesus is in the business of coming right into the middle of our craziness, right into the middle of our unreasonableness, right into the middle of the chaos and craziness of the world. Jesus is still in the business of coming into our mess. No matter who you are today, no matter where you're at, no matter how messed up you think your life or your situation is, can I tell you, I've been praying that this Christmas season, you would recognize and see today the amazing reality of Christ and who he is and what he came to do. Can I remind you of a big truth before we even really get rolling that ought to bring you comfort and peace today? Here it is. God has a plan. Aren't you glad to know that? Like, I know sometimes it feels like maybe he's going off script a little bit, but here's the truth. God has a plan. You are not lost to the whims and the winds of our world. This isn't all just random. We have a God who is really on his throne and he is working his plan. The God of all creation has been weaving together a story ever since the dawning of creation. And what we celebrate at Christmas is not the end of that story or even really the beginning of that story, but it is right in the middle of God's beautiful, redemptive work that has been happening before the foundations of the world were laid. And the crazy part about God's plan is that he wants to use you and me as a part of that plan. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has come, and he wants his light to shine on you, but also through you to help push back against the darkness in this world. I'm not really an astronomer, uh, just in case there was some confusion on that. I'm a big Astros fan, but I'm not an astronomer. I, I don't know a whole lot, but I've read enough on the internet to be dangerous, okay? So something I read a few years ago that has really stuck with me, and it always comes back to my mind around Christmas, is thinking about the way that light travels. Science tells us that light travels at about 186,000 miles per second. So at that speed, the light travels. It takes about 8.3 minutes for the light of the sun to get here to the earth. 
And the sun is actually the closest star that we've got. Uh, So there are all these other stars that are even further away from the sun. And the unit that we use to measure distance from us to those stars would be that term you maybe have heard, light years. And that distance is calculated by how many years it takes for the light of those stars to reach us. Astronomers estimate that our galaxy is about 100,000 light years across. That means that for you and me, when you look at some of the stars that are up in your sky today, that it's actually taken tens of thousands of years, astronomers would say, for that light to actually get to us for you to see it. Isn't our God incredible? One astronomer said it this way, when you're looking up at the stars, you're actually looking at history. It's phenomenal to think about, isn't it? When you look up tonight and see some of these stars shining in the sky, to think that for thousands of years that light has been heading for you for that moment that you look up and see that light. Can I tell you something that's way more incredible than random astronomy facts? The light of Christ that stands ready to shine on you today has been coming for you for before the foundations of the earth or any stars ever shone. The light of Christ has been coming for you for the very moment that you would have eyes to let it shine upon you. And I've been praying that today some of you maybe for the first time would experience the light of Christ but that for some of us who maybe for some reason have uh, not been seeing it for what it is that today we would just experience and all through this Christmas season that we would see that God has a plan and he's been working his plan and that we would be encouraged by that and that we would be called and step into our role in the midst of that plan. So with all that said, let's uh, pray together and ask the Lord to bless the reading of the word. Then we're going to dive into the scripture And pray. I know I'm mixing that up on you because I usually read the passage before I pray, but I'm going to pray first. Can we do that? I know we're Baptists. Is it all right if I change the bulletin? All right? Get a little change is the Baptist cuss word. You got to be careful. All right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time you've given us, God. We we want to just really soak in your word today. God, we've uh, so much, as we said, is happening in our lives and in our culture and, and in our calendars and in the Christmas season, but Lord, we don't want to miss you. So Lord, I pray that we would experience the light of Christ in a real intangible way over these next several weeks so that when we come out of this Christmas season, we would just be encouraged and reminded of your faithfulness and your goodness. So God, thank you for your word. Speak to us now as we read it and study it together. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, Isaiah chapter 9 says this, the word of the Lord. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, 
to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal, the passion of the Lord of hosts will do this. I know that I've used a word this morning that perhaps not all of you are familiar with. And that word that I've used is Advent. And I know as Baptists, that kind of scares us when we hear the word Baptist, you know, Advent. Some of y'all, when you hear the word Baptist, it scares you. But uh, when, if, if it does, you're welcome here. It's fine. But when we hear that word Advent, a lot of us immediately think of maybe our Catholic friends and our more liturgical friends who uh, celebrate this thing of Advent. And perhaps you think of candles and lighting them and all of this. Uh, but what, what I want you to know is that that word Advent just comes from a Latin word, Adventus, that just simply means coming. And whether you have used the word Advent or not, a spoiler alert, you have celebrated Advent before. Because Advent is simply preparing our hearts for the coming of Christ. So whether you know that term or not, we do this every Christmas. We think about and set our hearts and our minds toward what the reality of Christ's coming means for us. So Advent has been celebrated since the days of the early church in different forms and fashions. But, but all of this really comes down to this one incredible reality that from the very beginning of time, just like we said earlier, when you're looking up and seeing the star and that light has been coming for you, that this moment where we are thinking about Christmas is a moment that has been thousands of years in the making. And again, I'm praying that we would experience this light that Isaiah talks about for some of you, maybe for the first time, that you would understand that for you, a son has been born. For you, a child has been given so that you might have life, so that you might truly know the God who sent his son to die on the cross for you today. And this passage that was written some 700 years before the Gospels where we read of Jesus' birth, I believe is among the most clear descriptions of who Jesus is and how Jesus works. Those are two pretty important questions, aren't they? Who is Jesus and how does he work? So we are coming to a passage written 700 years before the arrival of Christ to answer that question. I think Isaiah does it in brilliant, brilliant ways. So who is Jesus and how does he work in our world? In this prophecy, we're going to see that answered. So we're going to actually work backward in the text, if that's okay. Uh, I don't know why I ask. I always do it anyway. So I've got the microphone, so that's how it works. I want to answer the first question, who is Jesus? Let's talk about who Jesus is. This passage proclaims with absolute boldness that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He, he isn't just a hippie who had some really cool thoughts and some good teachings. He, he's not just somebody bringing some life principles to help you maybe change the way you live your life. No, this is God's Son given in the fullness of time to save sinners and call unto himself a people for his own possession. By the way, y'all, that's us. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Look again at verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. This is clearly a passage that we would refer to when we look at prophecy as a dual prophecy. And here's what I mean by a dual prophecy. Some of this has come to pass through the first advent of Christ, the first time Christ came. But some of what's talked about here is waiting to happen until the second coming of Christ, the second advent that you and I are looking forward to as the people of God. I think when you read this, you and I find such hope, don't we? We say, well, well, yeah, Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And he is a mighty God. He is mighty to save. He saved me. So we read those things and we think that. But, but did you know that, that a Jewish person may look at this text today and say, see, that's how we know that Jesus wasn't really the Messiah because the government is not on his shoulders today. He, he didn't come and start the earthly kingdom like we thought he was going to. So while we look at this and find hope, there are others who look at this and say, man, why hasn't anything happened yet? But what we know as Christ followers and what we know from the scriptures is that this prophecy has been fulfilled. And at the same time, this prophecy is also waiting to be fulfilled. We celebrate at Christmas that Christ has been born. The son was given. He's already our wonderful counselor. He's already our prince of peace. And we know he is a mighty God. We know that he is a everlasting father. But we only see this in part today. So just as Isaiah prophesied, the Savior has come. But I want to remind you today, just as Isaiah has prophesied, the Savior will come. Friends, can I remind you today that there is coming a day where Jesus will come again? There is a second advent that is coming. And as we celebrate the first coming of Christ, it ought to point us and remind us and encourage us to know that he's going to come again. We should be reminded of that. And when he comes again, he is going to literally rule and reign over his creation. Today, he ought to be ruling and reigning over your life if you're a Christ follower. We might could just stop the sermon right there. How's that going? Is Jesus ruling and reigning over your life today? He ought to. The kingdom of God is alive and well, and we as his people ought to embody that kingdom in a real way. People in Buna and Jasper and Southeast Texas ought to look at this family and say, wow, there's something different about them. They're being led by a different kingdom and a different king than the ways of this world. They have been changed by something, and that something is King Jesus who rules and reigns in our lives and in our families and in our jobs and in every single part of who we are. But there's coming a day where Christ will come and he will literally rule and reign over this whole thing. The government will be on his shoulders forever and ever and ever and ever. Every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord when he comes. So I know that that's a lot to take in, but, but let me just sum it up this way. What, what's the promise of this prophecy that we see in Isaiah 9. Here's the promise. The promise is the power and presence of Jesus. And man, if you're in Christ today, if you've been saved, you've already experienced the first fruits of this promise. You know that he is a mighty God. You know that he has saved you. You know that he's the Prince of Peace because there have been times where your life has not been peaceful, yet you've experienced his peace. 
You've seen the wonderful counselor at work in your life. We know that Jesus is alive and well if you're saved today. You've experienced it, right? The the old hymns say, you know, he walks with me and he talks with me. The, The other hymn says, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. We know that he is with us and in us and working in us. And that's a beautiful promise that we have. In fact, I would just say, I think this is among the most underrated realities of the Christian life. Did you know, friends, that if you are in Christ today, that means Christ is in you. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to say it again. If you are in Christ, that means Christ is in you. Colossians 2 will say it this way. The fullness of God dwells in Jesus, and the fullness of Jesus dwells in you through the indwelling Holy Spirit that you received when you were saved. Man, think about the implications of that. God isn't out there He is not distant and beyond us looking on like some kind of grandpa in the sky keeping a moral scoreboard on you. No, the presence of God, almighty God himself, dwells within those who call themselves Christ followers today. If you have been saved by Christ, you are in Christ and Christ is in you and we ought to live changed because of that reality. And isn't that good news? Yet we don't really live like that's the case. Some of you, when you look at verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. You read that and you say, To church people and good people a child is born. To great, good Southeast Texas folks a son is given. Can I tell you, you are a messed up, jacked up sinner who is far worse than you even know that you are. Merry Christmas. (laughs) When you find yourself being real down on yourself and discouraged about who you are, can I just tell you, I just got bad news for you. You don't even really know the half of it. Oh, but the good news of the gospel is that Jesus says, bring your emptiness, bring your nothing, bring your evil, bring your sinfulness to the cross of Christ. And because of his amazing grace, he stands ready to radically recreate you and turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh that beats for him and his purposes. A bunch of messed up people like us. Isn't that wild? If it's not wild to you, then I don't think you get it yet. I'm praying that you would. The power and the presence of Jesus are in you if you're a Christ follower. And if you're not a Christ follower, man, the invitation today is to look up and see that light that has been coming for you from before the foundations of the world and see Christ for who he is. And the only proper response once you see him for who he is is to surrender your life to him. The light of the world, Jesus Christ, stands ready to save those who would call on his name today. His power and presence are available to us. But friends, I I want to remind you, yes, a son has come, a son has been given, but there's coming a day again where the Savior, when Jesus Christ will physically come again. And at his second advent, like I said earlier, he is going to rule and reign over all of his creation. The text tells us that the government will be upon his shoulders. Peace will last for all eternity. 
No more elections. <laughs> yes, Lord, please, right? Like the last time, I, you're not going to believe this, the last time I remember preaching this text was in 2020, and it was like, Lord, please, please, no more elections. We're not going to have to deal with cable news anymore. Some of y'all, that's, that's an idol you've got to think about. But we're going to have the one true king who's going to rule and reign over his creation. This prophecy promises us the power and presence of Jesus today and forever. So who is Jesus? He is our Lord and Savior who is with us now. And we have the first fruits of that through the indwelling Holy Spirit. But King Jesus is coming again and will rule and reign over his creation for all eternity. But we said earlier we we're going to talk about who Jesus is, but we also need to think about how Jesus works. And when we preach this text, man, when we look at Isaiah chapter 9... These verses I've talked about, they really get all the press, don't they? And with good reason. Like, honestly, I could have done all Christmas over this section. We could have talked about the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. I've even done that before as a Christmas series. We could have slowed down and taken a long time to walk through this. But I want us to look at the verses above this at the beginning of chapter 9 because they tell us something about the way Jesus works. And I want you to see this. I think it's an incredible application for us as the people of God. The first thing we see in this text is that Jesus works in unexpected places. Jesus works in unexpected places. In verse 1, Isaiah prophesies that there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Then he goes on to describe the way that God is making glorious the way of the sea. And he talks about Galilee and this region that honestly for the original hearers of this prophecy, they would have been absolutely shocked to hear this. He said, hey, God is going to make great the way of Galilee. They would have been really confused because at this time, Galilee, because of the mountainous ter terrain of the, the way, if people were coming to invade Jerusalem, they had to go through Galilee. And listen, if you've read the Bible, you see that it was basically time and time again, people were coming to attack God's people. And they started with Galilee time and time again. So when you said Galilee, the immediate thought of people was like, oh, that rundown place that's constantly being attacked? This was not a place of peace. In fact, they were the first people who saw war time and time again. Any plans to conquer God's people started in Galilee. It was a place of conflict and strife in almost every generation throughout their history. And God says to them, I will make glorious the way of the sea, Galilee. I mean, we know it had this reputation even when Jesus was around, right? Right? Do you remember when Jesus is being introduced to some of the disciples? What'd they say? Well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Do you remember that? Are you kidding me? He's the savior of the world from Nazareth? This was an unexpected place. This encourages me today. Because let's just be real. How many of us, if we're just to be honest, now I know we're good church people and I really appreciate that you're good church people, okay? Okay. So your natural answer is going to be yes, but really on a gut level, honest evaluation, how many of us tend to really expect revival to come to Jasper County? How many of us really believe in our hearts and our souls that God wants to do a work here? Galilee was the last place that people expected the Savior of the world to launch from. But hundreds of years before he's born, Isaiah is nailing this prophecy. 
And this ought to encourage us today. God's in the business of using unexpected, out-of-the-way places. We see this all throughout the Christmas story, right? Jesus is born. Where is he born? I can almost imagine him gathering the angels and being like, all right, Jesus is there. He's been born. And they're like, all right, cool. Where? Jerusalem? That would make sense. The religious capital of the world? Awesome. Nope, not in Jerusalem. Oh, well, Rome, that, even cooler, man, what a statement to put him right in the political, cultural power center of the known world. Awesome. Nope, not Rome. Instead, the Savior of the world is born in Breadville. Like Bethlehem means house of bread. I kind of want to go there. I'm all about those carbs. <laughs> Let's go. This little town out of the way, an unexpected place. Bethlehem, Galilee, Nazareth, Buna. These are all unexpected places, but friends, I want you to know and be encouraged this morning. God is in the business of moving and using unexpected places. But also, I want you to see this morning that Jesus works in unexpected people. Verse 2 says, The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Friends, this is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has a history of using the last people you would expect him to use for his glory. The darker and more messed up and crazy your life seems, the more you might actually be the person that God stands ready to use. Said on Wednesday night a few weeks ago, uh, something that I heard a preacher say a long time ago stuck with me forever. He said this, the next Billy Graham might be drunk right now. Isn't that wild to think about? God is in the business of using unexpected people to do extraordinary things for his glory. I want you to be reminded of that today. And I want to say what I said a few weeks ago, because I know some of you are like, oh, well... That's cool that God uses those kind of people, but you know, I'm that good church kid that I've been sitting here at Central Buena since mom gave birth to me on the third row 17 years ago, right? And you just think, man, <laughs> unexpected places, right? Uh, like, man, I've just been here forever. Like, uh, like uh, man, I don't have much of, remember I, I told you don't like the saying, but we say it. I don't have much of a testimony. Friends, can I remind you what your testimony is? Your testimony is that you were walking in darkness and no matter how moral or good you tried to be, you could not save yourself. And before you could step off of the cliff into an eternity in hell separated from the love of God, Jesus, by his grace, came and got you. Friends, you have a story. You have a testimony. You have been saved from darkness and brought into his marvelous light so that you, the most unexpected person, could be used by God to do incredible things for his glory. Again, let's just think about the people in the Christmas story. The Savior is born to a virgin. Unexpected. This unwed teenager is going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Uh, the first person who are going to hear this announcement. It's not going to be the royals. It's not going to be the religious leaders. No, instead, it's a group of shepherds working the night shift outside of Bethlehem, a job nobody else wanted, an unexpected people in an unexpected place. The first musician to show up was a little boy with a drum. No, I'm kidding. That's not in the Bible. 
Some of y'all were like, amen. <laughs> Don't look at your neighbor. They may have wrote that down in their notes. <laughs> uh, sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I just couldn't help it. We've got all of these examples, y'all, of God using unexpected people in unexpected ways. And guys, that's from like two chapters of the Bible. You want to see God using unexpected people? Start in Genesis and keep reading. One of my favorite things to do is when I'm walking in a discipleship relationship with guys, and man, we're going from Genesis to Revelation, just walking over the Bible over the course of a couple years, is people are astounded to figure out how many really messed up people there are in the Bible. All they remember, because they've never really dug into the scriptures, so they just kind of have the sanitized Sunday school versions of our lessons. By the way, I'm not saying that we need to start getting real graphic in Sunday school, but I'm just saying they've never realized that these are a bunch of flawed, messed up people that we have in the Bible that God used. I want you to know, if you think you're an unexpected person, read God's word, and you're going to see that you are just another name in a long, long list of unexpected people that God is in the business of using and working in. You may feel like you're a nobody. You may feel like you don't have anything special to offer to God, but I want to tell you, if that's you, good news. God is in the business of using people like you, and he's looking for people that would be used for his glory today. Jesus uses unexpected people. Finally, I want to encourage you by pointing to the reality that Jesus works in unexpected ways. Look at verse 4. It says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Isaiah says that God is going to free his people through miraculous means. The reference here to Midian is a reference to Judges 6 and 7. Do you remember the story of Gideon and the miraculous defeat of the Midianites? Do you remember this? God gave him a big army and God was like, nah, that's too many people. Like, listen, I like numbers. Anybody else? Like, I, I want to have the odds in my favor, but God's like, nah, that's still too many. Some people leave. He says, anyone wants to go home, go home. And a bunch of them do. That's discouraging, right? <laughs> if you don't want to fight, go home. But as for me and my house, we'll start, see you later, bro. And like a bunch of them leave. And God says, that's still too many. And then they go through that second test. And you can go read this in Judges 6 and 7. Ends up with just 300 people. And God uses that small minority of people to run off and defeat the Midianites. I don't know about you, but it sure feels like we're outnumbered in our world today. Feels like everywhere you look, the world is too big, too crazy, too lost for us to be able to make a difference. And I've even heard people say things like that. Man, what's a little church like ours going to be able to do? And then I think what shouldn't discourage us, dumb things discourage us. Like you look around and you see all like the, the big box Walmart kind of churches everywhere and you feel like, man, what can, can, what can little old Central do? What are we going to be able to do? And, and here's what I want to tell you, friends. Our Savior works in unexpected ways. And throughout biblical history, he has used the remnant to bring revival to his people. Not the crowd, but the remnant. A small group of people huddled in the upper room changed the trajectory of human history when you read Acts chapter 2. Just another example, God is in the business of working in unexpected places, in unexpected people, and in unexpected ways. 
So I said earlier to you that this prophecy reminds us of the power and presence of Jesus. We have received the first fruits of salvation in Christ. We know this mighty God. We have experienced the Prince of Peace. He rules and he reigns in our lives. And as we celebrate Advent, as we celebrate his coming, we believe that all of this points to his second Advent, his second coming, where he will bring literal peace to a broken and messed up world. He is going to literally rule and reign over his creation. He's going to bring eternal peace, security, and joy, and we are going to worship him forever and ever and ever. But this huge, incredible, amazing, sovereign God, this story really all begins with a baby born in the middle of chaos to a virgin in a little town out behind the Motel 6 in Bethlehem. God works in unexpected places, in unexpected people, in unexpected ways. So here's what I want to tell you. Because we know that's how Jesus works, here's my message for Christmas for you. You ready? Expect the unexpected. Guys, I love you, but can we just be real? We're an unexpected place. We are unexpected people. But my prayer is that in this season and then moving into this next year and beyond that we will be able to look back and look ahead saying we have a God who has and is going to continue to work through unexpected folks like us in unbelievable, extraordinary, unexpected ways. So friends, this Christmas, let's expect the unexpected. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the call that it gives us. Lord, thank you for the reality of the gospel. Lord, thank you that, that the, really the most unexpected of all is that you, a perfect, holy, sovereign, amazing God, would love us enough that you would send your son to die on the cross for us so that we might have life and might have a real relationship with you. God, we thank you for that reality, and I pray that we would be able to walk in it today. God, I thank you for the Christmas story. I thank you for this prophecy written hundreds of years before the Christmas story even came to be. And that, Lord, in the midst of that, we see that you are in the business of using people like us in places like this to do unexpected things. So, Lord, I pray that we would just step into whatever it is you have for us in this season and that we truly would be a people and a church that expects the unexpected. Thank you for listening to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. May God bless you as you continue to connect, grow, and serve.